Here we go. Uh, songs worth singing. We're going through the book of Psalms. And I'm, I'm not looking at, at, at Psalms like 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm not looking at Psalm 139, where can I go from your presence, all that stuff. Like the, 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 the ones that most like real good church people know. Uh, I'm, I'm using some Psalms that, that most people don't know. Because I want us to understand the Psalms is full of so much good stuff. So much good stuff. Uh, and, and so, uh, and maybe as catchy as some of the songs we do are sticking our heads, this, these songs are worth singing. The book of Psalms, 150 chapters in all, is divided into five sections. Book one, book two, book three, book four, book five, throughout the book of Psalms. Those five books mirror the Pentateuch, in other words, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Book one mirrors Genesis, book two, Exodus. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? Book one of Psalms is chapters 1 through 41, and it mirrors the themes in Genesis. Book two, chapters 42 through 72, mirror the Old Testament book, the themes of it, the book of Exodus. And like Exodus, through chapters 42 through 72 of Psalms, it highlights God's deliverance of his people, how God works to set his people free from dangers, perils, and enemies. It highlights and mirrors how God did it in the Exodus in showing himself as our only deliverer and our stronghold. It mirrors the gracious hand of God to lead his people from despair into freedom it mirrors the story of Exodus and the Exodus where we find our maximum security in our relationship with the Almighty God. That's Psalm chapters 42 through 72. We also see in that book, book two of Psalms, the transient nature of both wealth and success and we're warned not to chase either of them. Psalm 56. If you have a Bible and brought one with you, go to the middle of the Bible and you're probably in Psalms. I'll leave it to you from there to figure out which way you got to go to find Psalm 56. Psalm 56. It's all the screen behind me. It's on our app as well. If you have your Bible, you can, you can turn there. I'm going to get into it in just a moment. This Psalm was written in response to David, King David, being a place called Gath. Everybody say Gath. Psalm 56 was written in response to David being a place called Gath. Everybody say Gath. Yeah. There we go. Gath, if you don't know, was enemy territory. Gath was a place David probably shouldn't have been. Have you ever been a place you shouldn't be? Gath was the land of the Philistines, the enemies of God's people. The most famous Philistine was a real tall guy named what? Goliath. And David was in this place. And because he was in a place he probably shouldn't have been, in enemy territory, the Philistines had captured him. And he was in great trouble and great distress and terrorized. And it's amazing to me that David, in a place he shouldn't be, in trouble and peril because of his own doing. Never quit praising God. 
I learned a little bit from that. I don't know if you have been like me, but I have been in places I should not have been. And I have led myself into places of trouble and despair and captivity, right? And when I'm in those times, most of my crying out to God is not God how great you are. God is how much trouble I'm in. You got to do something. David's response was to never quit telling God thank you. Psalm 56 is known as a miktam. Everybody say miktam. Do you know what you just said? Don't ever say something you don't know what you're saying. <laughs> you could have just cursed somebody out in Hebrew. You don't know. No, that's not what you said. A miktam was a golden psalm. It was one of David's top. It was like his, his top ten list, except there's only five of them in the Bible. This is top five. And so it's, it's almost as if David's looking over his life. And he's going through these times. And he pins something under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That it says, if I can leave you with anything, let me give you the top five. This is in his top five. Psalm 56. And so I want us to look at Psalm 56. And see what David has to say when he realizes the peril and the trouble that he's in because he's in a place he shouldn't be. And I want us to see what his response is to God. Because in it, we may find instruction for ourselves. A song worth singing. Psalm 56. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. I could stop right there. And preach a three-hour message. Because most of us, when I'm afraid, you can fill in the blank of what you do. When I'm afraid, I get angry. When I'm afraid, I lash out. When I'm afraid, I start drinking. When I'm afraid, I start fighting. When I'm afraid, I turn to anxiety. When I'm afraid, I start worrying. David said, when I'm afraid... My trust turns to you, God. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust and am not afraid. When I'm afraid, I'm not afraid. You realize that's what he said? What can mere mortals do to me? And then this, as I was reading this in the song, this is the part that stuck out to me. Other than that right there. This is the part right here. I know that God is for me. Okay, now hold on now, David. You done messed up. You're in a place you shouldn't be. You're in the enemy territory. Nobody twisted your arm to go to that place. Nobody, for, nobody took you there under shackles and chains. You chose that road. Have you ever chose a road? You're in a place you shouldn't be. And you come out with the phrase, I know God is for me. Shouldn't David be afraid? Hmm? I mean, we are, aren't we? We get to that place we shouldn't be. We're in trouble because of our own choices. That's a little bit scary place to be. 
And he says, what can mere mortals do to me? Well, apparently a lot. <laughs> You're in captivity. But what does David say? I know, I know you're for me. I know. I don't hope. I don't wish. This I know that God is for me. Even when I'm at a place I shouldn't be. If I'm a child of his, because my faith in Jesus, even when I'm in a place I should be, God is still there. And for Psalm 139, where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from it? If I go up to the heights of the morning, you're, go down the depths of the hell, you're there. You're always, your right hand holds me. I can't get away from you. Even though I've tried, I can. You're still with me and you're still for me. My wandering doesn't negate your presence. You're for me. Even when I'm in a place I shouldn't be, guess what? God is for me. Even when I got troubles because of my own choices, guess what? God is for me. Even when I'm in captivity because of my own devices, guess what? God is for me. Now, don't be mistaken. There's still going to be difficulty. There's still going to be problems. There'll still be pain. There'll still be trouble. But at least I ain't in it alone. And if God is for me, who can be against me? And if God is for me, and being God equal a majority. You understand? I want you to get this part. God's mercy and grace is greater than my debauchery. Let me say it again. you got to get this. God's mercy and grace is greater than my debauchery. See, religion will tell you. Religion will tell you. Be careful. Don't get fooled by religion. Religion will tell you that God is for you when you got your stuff together. That God is for you when you're living right with him. And when you're not, God has turned his back and you can't count on him. Be careful not to confuse and not to corrupt God's mercy and grace with your behavior. I want you to watch David's mictem, his top five, verses 9 through 12. Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. He's saying, my enemies are around me. I'm in a place I shouldn't be. This is all my fault. But God, I'm going to praise your word, and I'm going to trust you. And when I turn my attention back to you, then you're going to take care of my enemies. This I know that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not, I might start afraid, but I'm not going to end up afraid. What can man do to me? Now, now, this is what got me, though. As I'm looking at this and what David's going through and his response, I'm tracking with them up to this point. But then he says, I must perform my vows to you, O God. 
I will render thank offerings to you. Now, he's in captivity. He's created problems for himself. He has confidence and trust in God and God's word to deliver him and his response in what God has done already and what God will do in the future is that he will perform vow, make vows and promises to God and give thanks offerings to him. Because of who God is, and what God's word has said, he says these things. I want you to get it. He starts with, I will not fear. Because of who God is and because God is for me, I will not fear. And then he says, because of who God is and because God is for me, he says, I will be courageous in making vows and promises to God. Let me just ask this real quick. Have any of you made a promise to God you didn't keep? Sean, I appreciate you being an example for the rest of us as someone who is brutally honest. David's promises to God were based on God's mercy and grace to deliver him, not on his ability to do them. Even though God didn't seem to be around in the moment, David said, you're still worth making promises to God. Because you are for me, David says, not only will I be courageous in making vows and promises, I'll be faithful to fulfill the promises I've made. Because we all know what it's like to make promises to God we haven't kept. Every one of us does. They're like New Year's resolutions, right? I mean, how many times do you make those? After enough New Year's resolutions that are unkept, what do you eventually do? You stop making them. Same thing with God. After all the promises we made to God that we continue to fail, some people get to the point, I'm just, not, I'm just look, I'm just going to do my best. I don't even know what that means anymore. David says, oh, David was a man who made a ton of promises to God and always screwed it up. Well, maybe not always, but a couple of real big times. And his response was, God, I'm going to be courageous in making promises to you because I've experienced your mercy and grace even when I fail. See, God is so worthy, he's worthy to make promises to, even if we don't know we can. His mercy and grace will enable us to. His mercy and grace will. And the promises I make to God, and my effort to fulfill the promises I make to God, are grounded in what God has already done. And he says, because I know God is for me, I will give thank offerings to God. This is what got me. I, I, I know what it's like to make promises to God. Every time I really mess up, I make a promise to God. Right? Like, I'm not going to do that again, I promise. I, 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 know, I know what it feels like to make a promise to God. But, but this, this one got me. David's response for what God has done says that, he says, out of that I will give thank offerings out of my thankfulness for what God has done, I will make offerings to you. Now, where was David in the, in, in the context of all this? Where was he? You, you, yeah. He was in Gath. He was in, he was in captivity. And even in those places, when it feels as though he has nothing to give, his heart cries out out of thankfulness. You've already done so much. Out of my thankfulness for what you've done, God, I will respond and give 
Something that represents my gratitude. And so I want to start in this place for the rest of this message. Because I know God is for me. I will not fear. See, here's, here, here's how I approach this pulpit. Your opinion and your threats do not threaten me. And, and so I'm going to press into this. And I'm going to preach this fearlessly. And some of you will grab onto it. And some of you will be like, seriously? Every time I come to church, you bring this stuff up. Well, that happens every two years when you come to church. I don't know. But uh, anyway, so David says, David's, I, I, <laughs> that was worth saying. David says, I will make vows and give thank offerings. David doesn't seem to be in a position to make any offering. You ever been there? Yeah. Yet David is so thankful that he's voluntarily generous with whatever he has. When we're in a place where it doesn't feel as though we got anything to give. Psalm 56 are great lyrics for us to remember. I want to explain to you what thanks offerings are. Thanks offerings are optional and voluntary. They're not commanded. They're not demanded. They're completely left up to the individual. Then nowhere in the Bible is a thank offering prescribed and what it must be. All other offerings of giving in Scripture are commanded in both amount and occasion. For instance, Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe. That's the word for 10%. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. So the church will have something to give away is what it says. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store. That's a command of scripture in the Old Testament that's affirmed also in the New Testament in Matthew 23, 23. The tithe is the command of God. And then we're told how to do it. Not only is the amount commanded in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, the way is commanded. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made because you've already been diligent in fulfilling your duty and the command of God to tithe. Every offering in the Bible is commanded in, 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 in the amount and in the way, except the thank offering. No, 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 no. Hang with me here. There's no command that a thank offering be given or offered in a fixed or regular fashion. I would assume that when David is in trouble, his response to God would be, God, I'm sorry, I'm going to make sure I do it right this time. Right? I've messed up. You've said this. I got to get my stuff together. Right? I've messed up. I got problems. Your Bible says I have to, and so I'm going to now. All based on rules. Regulation commands. Get your stuff together. That's how we usually respond when we're in trouble, right? David doesn't go back to obedience. David goes to thankfulness. And out of thankfulness, obedience is created. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? And so when we get in those places we shouldn't be, David's response in us mirroring that is to say, God, you've been so gracious to me and so merciful to me. I know that you got more mercy for me coming. And out of my gratefulness of that will propel my response to you. I'm not going to respond out of duty and obligation. I'm going to respond out of thanksgiving for how good you are. So the general principle of thank offerings, please understand this, is given as occasions arise from the feelings of thankfulness of the one giving it. This is the biblical standard for thank offerings. Just in response for the gratitude that I have for what God has done. See, this offering is privilege. Not due to your obligation. So let me just take some of the pressure off you right now. I'm not talking about God's command to tithe. I'm not talking about that rule, Old Testament and New Testament. That was a law before God ever gave the law. That's been in place forever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this voluntary thing when someone realizes... Do you know how bad it could have been? Like, it might be rough right now, but you know how bad it could have been? And out of God's mercy, he kept some of it back. Here's the thing. None of us have reaped everything we've sown. Am I right? Now, you might have reaped a lot of what you sown, but we have reaped all of what we sown. And sometimes God says, I'm going to show you a little bit about what you have reaped so you realize what you haven't reaped. And out of the gratitude for what we haven't reaped, the response from David is, I'm going to thank you. Amen. Did you know that the Hebrew noun for thanksgiving is derived from the verb to praise? So when we give thanks... It is literally an act of praise and worship. So our offering in thanksgiving is an act of praise and worship. It's one of the ways we worship God. And so one of the things we have to ask ourselves, if we claim to be a kingdom person, we have to ask ourselves, does my current giving reflect the amount of thanks I have towards God? And if it does, there's no guilt nor obligation in giving. It's just a joy. Here's how you can tell the difference between someone who is following the obligation of the tithe, which we're commanded to do so we don't get a pass on it, but one who is strictly following that or someone who is giving a thanks offering because the one who is simply following the strict obligation to do what I got to do gives with a frown. But the one who's giving out a thanks, giving the heart gives with a smile. You understand? And when the obligation becomes a joy, it's all happy stuff. There's two aspects to thankfulness. I want you to see if, if you can still track with me here. One of the as aspects of thankfulness, we agree, every one of us agrees with. The other aspects of thankfulness, most of us uh, resist. See, one of the aspects of thankfulness has to do with having an attitude of gratitude. Like, like we would say that, that, that to be thankful is to carry within us an attitude of gratitude. You understand what I'm saying? Like my attitude is just grateful for everything God's done, right? And so most of us, we accept that aspect of Thanksgiving. But the other aspect of Thanksgiving is this, that we give our resources in accordance to how thankful we are. 
Most of us resist that aspect of it. Most of us resist that aspect of thankfulness. Do you know why we resist it? No. I'm going to tell you, Sean. <laughs> because we revert back to the first aspect. And it looks like this when we play it out in our heads. Here's the deal, bald guy. I'm thankful in my heart, and I don't have to prove it with my money. All right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I've, been, <laughs> I've been around this church thing a long time. And I've talked about offering a long time. And the thing I hear most is I love the Lord and I'm thankful for all he's done. I do not have to prove it with my money. Um, now, that's probably not any of us. We don't feel that way. Um, but maybe some people you know might feel that way. And the truth is, that's not a true statement according to the Bible. The Bible is very clear. That our thankfulness is shown in every way. Including with the giving of our resources. I want you to think of it this way. A thank offering is thanksgiving in anticipation of what God is still to do or soon to do. It's thanksgiving in anticipation of what God's going to do. See, 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 see if this doesn't make sense. To only give thanks for what I've already received is a very refined way of begging for more. To only give thanks for what I've already got is a real polite and refined way of just holding the hand out for more. Because after all, if I'm not grateful for what God has done, he'll cut off the supply chain. So I better say thank you. And that way I keep my hand out and maybe he'll do more. But unadulterated thanksgiving goes beyond what God has already done and has the foundation in what God will do. God, I'm giving this to you because it's thanksgiving on credit. You understand? It's thanksgiving on layaway. And I'm going to give it ahead of time. Because I know that you are for me. And I trust your word. And your word tells me. That even when I'm in a place I shouldn't be, you are still for me. And in advance of everything you're going to do, based on what you've already done, I want to say thank you. Thank you. Right. Now we ought to be rightly thankful for what he's already done. But a thanks offering is offered to God based on what he's going to do. Expressed, anticipated thanks. See, David could offer a thanksgiving offering when he was in captivity because he knew of what God was going to do, which was deliverance. And he didn't wait till he was delivered. It was in advance. I was talking to a guy one time, and he said, hey, uh, I'm going to go play in the World Series of Poker. It's what I do. Uh, and if I win the, the, if I win the, the whole kitty, I'm going to tithe it. 
And I told him, I said, well, you and I are friends, right? He said, yeah. I said, you're a man of God, right? He said, yeah. I said, why don't you tithe it in faith? <laughs> I thought that was good. <laughs> he didn't agree with me and he didn't do it, but we're still working on him. And so so here, I want you, here's, what, here's what I want you to understand this whole giving thing. When we give because we're supposed to, the 10%, the tithe, that's obedience. And God always rewards it. God always rewards obedience. Always. But, uh, but understand this whole Thanksgiving thing. When we give in response to what God's already done, that's Thanksgiving. And God lives in our Thanksgiving. Psalm 22.3 says that. Well, watch this. When we give in expressed anticipation of what he will do, that's faith. And that makes God happy. There's only one way to make God happy. And it's not by obedience. It's by faith. Read Hebrews 11.6. Yes. So if you want God to live in and to smile on us and what he's given us, we practice Thanksgiving offerings beyond the obligation. Here's the thing. Don't let anybody ever tell you what you ought to be thankful for. Because the moment someone tells you you ought to be thankful, have you ever had someone tell you, you better be thankful for what I've done for you? <laughs> like, does that? <laughs> well, okay. I mean, once someone tells you what you have to be thankful for, it's not really thanks. It's obligation. And, and no one should ever tell you how you ought to express your thanksgiving. That has just got to come from inside. And, and so thanksgiving is entirely up to you. Now, here's the deal. There's great freedom in that. But understand, there's great responsibility in that. It, just think about it like this. It's like if you've got to love someone in life you love. And, and, and you need to give them a birthday present or a Christmas present. There's two ways to go about that. There's one way that looks like this. Just tell me what you want and where to get it. Better yet, give me an Amazon list and I'll get you exactly what you want. Right? Right? How many? How many? None of you? You bunch of liars? Okay. Because okay. you know I'm setting you up, huh? Yeah. So, so that's one way to do it. The other way to do it is like this. Now, I love you, and I've watched you, and I've listened to what you say for the last year, and I've noticed some things that you like and things that would be a blessing to you. And I've picked this out because it reflects what I know about you as an expression of my love. Do you see the difference? Yeah. <laughs> so, which is most personal? Which is most difficult? See, with the Amazon list, yes, they get what they want. But with your intention, they have your attention. Do you understand? That's the Thanksgiving offering. The Amazon list is God said, this is what you will do. This is what I expect. This is my command. The other is the Father, you've been so good. When I was in college, I had a job on campus, and I made $20. After they took everything out that they wanted to take out for school, I, I got $20 a week. Uh, and I went through the obligation of writing a paper. That was back in the days where they didn't have electronics. Just as a general rule of thumb, there were no electronics. And so I would get out my checkbook, and I would write a $2 check and mail it to my church back home in Visalia. Because it was 
my obligation. I'm sure that they cursed me every time they got it because it wasn't <laughs> worth their time to process a $2 check. But it was my obligation. Here's what happened. My obligation was a pathway to my thanksgiving. It started out of obligation, but it has become an act of thanksgiving for what God has done. Verse 12, I must perform my vows to you, O God, and I will render thank offerings to you. This psalm written when David was in trouble, he still chose to give offerings of thanks to God. Even when it appeared as though God had quit being good to him, because God had already been good enough. These were thanksgivings on credit. So I told you I'd, I'd give a, a, a prayer developed on, this, on every passage I preach on in this series. So here's the prayer. Father, I trust in your word. Even when I'm not where or who I should be, I know Father, that you are for me. Thank you. You've been abundantly good to me. And I know you will continue to be good to me. And I will give to you in response to your goodness to me. That's just a prayer. What a difference between giving out of obligation and giving out of appreciation. Obligated giving, gifts to one based on you have to, Valentine's Day, birthday, you better. You got someone in your life and you miss one of those? Hmm. Compared to gifts of no occasion, according to their love language, to say, I plan this especially for you without occasion. Do you know what happens in our relationships when you start surprising those you love for no reason at all with a whatever flexion of your love. My buddy Dave loves music. Been in this church since we were over when we first launched in Fresno at Valley Oak Elementary School 16 years ago. Came to Christ in this church. Started serving Jesus in this church. Sits in the front row right there in the first service every Sunday. He and I start talking about music and the, and the good music of our culture in the 80s. <laughs> and the best band the world has ever known called U2 from Dublin, Ireland. Dave loves music and he understands my appreciation of it. And one day Dave gave me a little box that was wrapped. He said, this is my gift for you. I, I couldn't even tell you what day it was. It was just out of nowhere. And it was a lifetime subscription to Sirius Satellite Radio so I could listen to 80s on 8. <laughs> we hadn't talked about that. He just knew me. There was no occasion. You know what happens in our lives when we start, hey, honey, just because. Not like a monetary thing, just anything. You understand? God feels the same way. Not out of obligation, not out of duty. In realization for what he's done. And so here's the deal, friends. 
I want you to keep this in mind as we go through the last quarter of 2021. Just keep this in mind, not out of obligation, but just out of appreciation for everything that God has done. The greatest way to reach people for Jesus under heaven is to plant churches. The greatest way to get people out of hell and into heaven is by planting churches. We have a church plant to fund in Riverstone that will take place at Stone Creek Elementary. The greatest way to reach people under heaven is to plant churches. And we got another plant to start there and to fund there. Not out of duty and not out of obligation, out of simply appreciation for everything God has done for us in this place. To say thank you. We are expanding this ministry for what God has done and in anticipation of what he will do. Things are ramping up, especially great strides at Liberty High School and Rancho's Middle School. My buddy Sean running the FCA on Flipside's behalf there. Just started that again there two weeks ago. Preached on at lunchtime on LHS campus. We gave the kids pizza. 61 of them showed up. Three of them accepted Christ as their Savior, and two of them rededicated their lives. Right. Out of appreciation of what God has done and anticipation of what he will do. Right. Thanksgiving offerings. Mm. There are huge needs in Cuba and Guatemala. And we are process, we're, we're, we're developing this process to pay off this entire site by January 2026. To be completely out of debt. To own this whole thing. Here's the thing. Jeff and Jen are leading Financial Peace University. Focusing on biblical instruction. On getting out of debt. And paying off your mortgage even. Some of us have done that. We know what it's like to be debt free. And to not even have a mortgage. And it is incredibly liberating. And I want that for all of you. But what's right for us as individuals. Is also right for us as a church. Some of us tithe because it's the command and we go beyond the tithe and think offerings far above the 10%. We do that as a church. We give 10% to church plants and well beyond that to all kinds of ministries. Pregnancy Care Center, Youth for Christ, Angels of Grace, Cuba, Guatemala, Oh, exorbitant. Why? Not out of obligation because we're so grateful for what God has done here. We can't wait to give stuff away. It's important for us to do the work here to get out of debt here. Here's why. Because the moment we pay this off, it frees anywhere. By the time we'll pay it off in 2026, it frees up anywhere from fifteen dollars to $20,000 a month for us to give away. Not to keep. Can you imagine the thankful generosity of giving away? <laughs> not out of duty and not out of obligation. Because we at this church have realized how good God has already been. That he's still forced, even though a lot of us in this church are still in places we shouldn't be. Because we rise in this church that our response is not duty and not out of obligation. Our response is thanksgiving. So you will soon 
you will soon have the chance to make vows and promises to God based on your thankfulness. You will soon have the opportunity to fulfill the promises you will make to God based on your thanksgiving. You will soon have the opportunity to make thanksgiving offerings to God that we will in turn turn around and give away because he's been so good to us. Do you understand? So, come up here, band. Because I know not because I hope, nope. not because I think, nope. not because I, because I know nope. that God is for me. Even if I'm in a place I shouldn't be, if I am his, he is for me. What can man do against me? No weapon formed against me because I know that God is with me. I will be generous yeah. in offerings to God because I'm thankful for all he's already done. And I will, I will be courageous continuing to make vows and promises to God yeah. because I know, I know that his mercy and his grace yeah. covers me. Yeah. And I will, I will be faithful to fulfill the promises I've made. Yes. Not out of obligation and never out of duty simply out of thanksgiving for everything that God has done. When we make this transition in our heart, every response to God becomes a response of joy, not obligation. Here's people's problem. So many people have tried to respond to God out of obligation and duty and have failed. And as a result, you've ended up feeling like a failure. Do you understand? Some of you understand all too well. When I make this transition, that my response to God, in whatever way you want to talk about, it doesn't matter. In what, when my response to God is motivated by my thanksgiving for who He is and what He's done, it's all a joy. And it comes with no duty nor obligation. And when I end up in places I shouldn't be, it's still a joy because I know that he is still. If he judges me based on my duty, I'm damned. But if he relates to me based on his mercy and grace to rescue me, there is freedom. Yes, yes. You understand? Yes. And that's a song we're singing, and that's Thanksgiving. Yes. Father, thank you that you love us. Yes. Thank you that you have already, already been doubly good to us. Some of us have been in places we never should have been. Some of us are still in places we should never be. Thank you that you offer us the opportunity to have a relationship with you, not based on our duty, behavior, or obligation, but just simply based on your mercy and your grace. You are too good to us. Thank you. Jesus, I ask one thing of us here who want it. One thing, Jesus, I ask of you today, of those of us here who want it. That you would simply help us love you more. 
Father, according to your word, fulfill what you have said and help us in this place, those of us who want to, to love you, Father, with our whole heart and soul and mind and strength. And out of appreciation for who you are, love other people and our neighbor as ourselves. Father, we respond to you out of thanksgiving. Thank you that you freed us from obligation. Enjoy. We respond to you. In your name I pray, amen.